Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. I bid you grace and peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I count it a high honor to be among you. As uh, Pastor Gary said, I've I've been wanting to come to Rock Hall, and there's a couple reasons. One is, a long time ago, I was in your graveyard. I was, honestly. It was in 2000 and something at the funeral of a lady named Florence Ashley, who lived in Rock Hall and raised a daughter whose name was Vivian, who became deaf. And Vivian went to the Western Shore to be trained in uh, schooling at the Frederick School for the Deaf, and then stayed in the Western Shore and married a man who was deaf from Baltimore. And Vivian and John both were members of the church that I served for 20 years in Baltimore, the Christ Church for the Deaf. And so when Mrs. Ashley passed, I went across the Bay Bridge with Vivian to be a part of the funeral here in Rock Hall. And I stood in your graveyard, and it was pouring down rain. And I thought, where is this place? And I heard about watermen and the Eastern Shore and your wonderful culture. And I just fell in love with it, and I just wanted to come back and say, this is a unique and wonderful part of the world, and you have wonderful opportunities or mission and ministry, and your churches have been faithful. And I just want to thank God for all of you. And also appreciate so much your wonderful pastor and his wife, um, Gary. Oh, my, you're so blessed to have a pastor well-trained and a heart for evangelism and church growth. And, and he does a sermon on the spot with a children's sermon. I mean, I would never do that. <laughs> he is a brave man. <laughs> but that says a lot about you all, too, that you continue to reach out to young people. And in your community, there's so much opportunity for mission and ministry. And I thank God for my wonderful husband, Michael, who's along with me today and, again, a pastor as well and has served several conference churches here in the Peninsula Delaware Conference. And so we've been partners in crime for this past 13 years, and I will be retiring this summer. So I just had to come. I had to insist that I get invited here. <laughs> and I just love coming to all the churches because each one of you is unique and wonderful and has a a ministry in your own right, based on your histories, the people you know, the outreaches you have. And so, congratulations on your hard work and your many years of service. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray now as I speak this word, you'll light up our hearts and give a fresh word to your people that we might go out and do your word in spirit and in truth. Lord, in spite of me or through me, speak a word to your people. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Now, my sermon is about two questions, and the two questions are both in the two texts that I'm going to share today. The first question is, comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word of the Lord. 
Now certainly rocks are a part of your name of the town, right? Rock Hall. And you might have some famous rock here, I don't know, but for sure rocks are very, very prevalent in the scriptures, right? We, we see so many illusions, symbolic illusions of God as our rock. There's actually 59 verses in the scripture that talk about God as our rock. And then there's uh, another 34 verses that talk about how God hides us in the cleft of the rock through salvation in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there's 17 verses about Christ as the rock, the cornerstone, the, the holy one. So it seems that you have called on this idea of rock. You have rock-solid kid programs, rock-solid student teen center. Uh, we all want to be a piece of the rock. And so this first question I ask you is, who is Jesus for you? Now, this sort of question came first from Jesus as he spoke to his apostles. And they had been walking with him for three years. They had watched him at work. They saw how he was teaching and preaching and doing miracles and especially reaching out to people that no one loved and ostracized. And so after three years of watching this man, Jesus then turns to them and says, who do people say I am? And then who do you say that I am? John Wesley, our founder, believed that experience is really the key to belief. He said that you have to first follow the scriptures, then the traditions of the church, then reason, which is book learning and science, and then finally experience. What have you experienced? So based on the experience that the apostles had with Jesus, he asked them the question. And of course, Peter popped up and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And he got it right, right? And then Jesus commended him strongly and said, you, no one gave you that but God himself, and that you are the rock. His name changed that day from Simon Peter, son of Barjona. He became Petros, the rock. And on the church, this belief in Jesus Christ will be founded. And of course, we know that the rock of Peter was very, very famous. He preached a wonderful sermon on Pentecost Sunday, and there was 3,000 souls saved. Can you imagine if we had a sermon like that? I'd love to see 3,000 become Christians at one time and be baptized. And, and Jesus said that he got the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that he would have victory over hell and death. And, you know, pretty much Peter was unleashed to get the word of Jesus, that solid rock, out to the world. And so he was one of the first to realize that this Jesus wasn't just for the Jews. He went out to a man named Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and he preached the word of Jesus to him and then began a ministry to Gentile people. So this rock of Jesus is certainly what we as Christians are supposed to be holding on to. And so I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? I hope you can say he is the son of the living God. And for me personally, he died for my sins on the cross. And I might have life everlasting and a mission to serve God my entire life. And if you say that, you got it right. And you too will be a rock, just like Peter. A rock that goes on and on. The hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Left. Do you ever sing that? My hope is built on nothing left. And it says, on Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, this hymn was written by a Baptist minister. Well, we like Baptists, they're cool. But he said that that was not the title of the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. The Methodists did that. But the real title of the song was, 
the immutable basis for a sinner's hope. <laughs> kind of old-fashioned way of talking in the immutable basis for hope. Isn't that who Christ is? Isn't he the basis for your hope? Not just your salvation and, and you know, forgiveness of sins here, but that hope of glory, that hope of everlasting life, and that hope that God is going to use you for some pretty cool things. He's going to help answer your everyday problems. Christ is going to help you with your hard decisions. Christ is going to give you a calling for your life that will do something good in this world. And that is the true joy of being a Christian, right? Is spreading the love of Jesus to others. Isn't that why this beautiful church was built long ago? It was founded on that rock that we want people to know Jesus Christ and then experience God's love and use us. God's servants to do the work, that's great joy. And you know, it's really cool that God will use, no matter what we are, no matter what we have, to do that work once we're committed to Christ. I'm sure you know the story of Harriet Tubman. She was born a slave in Dorchester County, Maryland, right here on the Eastern Shore. Now, Harriet Tubman, she became a Christian. She joined the African Methodist Episcopal Church Zion. And she knew in her heart that she was born free. Now, she was not meant to be a slave. And so she escaped from slavery and moved on up to safe Pennsylvania. And there she got a call from God who said, go back, come back, and help your brethren and sisters. And so she went back down, and she freed her whole family from slavery. And then she just kept hearing God saying, well, keep going. Don't stop now. And she went back and forth and back and forth. She freed 300 slaves, and she touted that she never lost a passenger. And part of it was because that she was a little thing, only four foot, and she could sneak through the trees and nobody could see her. And the other thing was that she was hit on the head by her slave master years ago as a teenager, and she incurred a terrible head injury that gave her kind of an epileptic uh, seizure thing. And she actually experienced that as a spiritual gift, a spiritual clairvoyance, in which sometimes she received messages from God during these, these times of, of her uh, epilepsy. And so that says to me, God can use anything, even those bad things that were intended for evil, God used for good. And then she didn't just stop there. She became a scout for the Union Army, and she, knowing the shore, her knowledge of all the ins and outs and the little roads and the cubby, You've got a little, lot of little roads in here, okay? <laughs> I drive down here and go, where am I? Where's the GPS? But she knew everything by heart, so she could help be a scout and help the army. But she, God wasn't done with her yet. Then she ended up as an older person living in New York State, and she established a home for senior citizens, particularly persons of color who had no family, had no money, had no means to stay alive as, as seniors. So God used her all throughout her life, whatever she was, whatever she had, whatever talents, good or bad. And God can do that for you too. God's got a plan for you because you're gifted and talented. And your life is saved and consecrated for the service of God. What a privilege that is to serve God. God wants to use you in his service. And as soon as you say, Jesus is the rock and my Hope is built on nothing less than him. Then you have been recruited into the army of the Lord to be in his service forever. So that's the first question. The second question comes from the book of Joshua, long before that first question. And it comes from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. 
Hear the word of the Lord. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve stones from the people, from each tribe a man. Command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you shall lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan went were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan... The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The word of the Lord. Now the second question is, what do these stones mean? Well, certainly we have a lot of people, a lot of young people who don't know anything about what the stones mean. We have a lot of young people who have not been saved who don't know the saving love of Jesus Christ. And this community and this church will continue strong as you tell the good news of Jesus Christ to the next generation. And I'm really glad to know there's children back there. But I know there's way more children out there. Kids aren't hearing about God in church, right? Kids aren't hearing about God hardly anywhere. There's a lot of messages young people are hearing, a lot of them on those phones. And some of those messages are not the good ones. But you... The saved people of Jesus Christ have the wonderful opportunity of passing your faith and your experience with God to the next generation. That is the call for us to keep telling people what these stones mean. Not just this building, but the rock of Jesus in your heart. And so I ask you, what can you do to keep, keep more kids knowing about Jesus? There's no telling the kind of things you can do. Certainly Sunday school at a certain hours is, is harder sometimes because parents work and there's soccer and there's all kinds of competitive things and sometimes kids are with mom one weekend and dad another weekend. Well, don't do Sunday. Do whatever day will work for kids. These week events here are, are wonderful outreaches. And certainly Bible school is something that is so important because anymore kids just don't know a thing about God. They just aren't given a chance to learn about God. And so some, the Bible school, by midsummer, parents are so tired of their kids <laughs> in the house all day that they want to send them somewhere and they go to a different Bible school every week, right? So make sure you're having Bible school because that might be the only chance they get to hear that Jesus loves them. And you can make a difference in this world. You can plant seeds for the future that you will never see those apples come off the tree. But you made the, the, the seed be planted so that more faith might grow into the future. I want to thank God for my home church. I was raised in a little Methodist church in Lansdowne, Maryland, on the western shore. Little church, kind of about the size of this church. It wasn't like, you know, coming out the windows, but a lot of good people that had a heart for young people. And at the ripe old age of 10, they had me playing piano for the church children's choir. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I probably made more mistakes than I made right notes, but they wanted to see me learn to be a leader. See, that's the key to this children's ministry thing. You don't just tell them about Jesus and say, oh, I, got, I did that. 
you put them in the driver's seat. And, but you got to be ready for the, <laughs> the driver's seat. It can be a little wonky. They let us have a monthly youth service, okay? And, you know, kids are a little nervous, and sometimes we do strange things. Like, we decided to sing Amazing Grace to the tune of the House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> Big problem for the organist, okay? In fact, I remember watching the organist just walk out, and I thought, what's wrong with him? <laughs> well, he was offended by this, this youthful expression of faith, but, you know, they, they, nobody died. They just kept saying, keep doing it, kids. We need you, kids. We want you to be in service. And we were very touched by the, the plight of hungry people, and there's still plenty of them out in the world, isn't there? And we were encouraged to raise money for CROP, which was a hunger organization, international feeding program that goes globally. And we started raising money by having a haunted house. And there was a house next to the church that wasn't being used. And Anyway, we decorated it up for a haunted house for Halloween, and we would charge admission that people could come in and see this, this wonderful haunted house, which we thought was wonderful, and they would raise money. Well, we decided it would be great to cut a hole in the ceiling, okay, <laughs> between the first and second floor. And it was, it was a very dramatic effect, except the trustees found out about it. <laughs> it was a big problem when they found the hole. But you know what? They fixed the hole. And they said, okay, we get it. We're going to let these kids do stuff. Even though it's driving us crazy, we're going to let them do it. So all I'm saying is sometimes, sometimes kids will do things different. And you're going to have to deal with it. But it's okay because they'll learn from you. And you can be patient with them. You can show love to them. And I know I wouldn't be standing here now as a, a pastor if it hadn't been for a church that said, here, you be in charge. You can do this. We'll let you try it. And put up with my mistakes and love me through it all. That's the kind of church that will keep going, going on forever and ever. I know you've been here a long time. Well, you're going to have another 200, 300 years if you simply keep the next generation going and you tell people what the stones mean. And so I ask you to answer the two questions. Who is Jesus? And what do these stones mean? And you will have a ministry that will go on forever, and God will truly bless you for it. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for the faithful members of Wesley United Methodist Church. Thank you for their pastor. Thank you for their lay leader. Thank you for that couple going to Florida. You're going to just send them out as missionaries down south. And we pray, dear God, you bless us all with the giftedness that you've already given us, that we might see new ways we can use our giftedness to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we'll have eyes to see another generation that's hungry to know something that's meaningful and not just the cotton candy of this world's things. And that you might teach them about faith through them. That more and more people will know your saving love. And so, Lord, we pray your double portion on them as they continue the work of ministry in Rock Hall, Maryland. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> said earlier, it's a special day. It's not because you just get to hear, hear a word of God's grace, but today we get to experience God's grace and Holy Communion. Uh, we're going to use the responses there in your hymnals uh, on page 15. Uh, you'll find the responses. I believe if you've been part of the church for a while, you, you probably are aware of these. Uh, just to let you know we will, how we're going to be receiving communion today. Uh, we have the, those, those packages that everyone loves. 
<laughs> uh, but what we'll do is you'll come forward to receive the elements, and then you'll take them back to your seat with you, and we'll receive them at our seats together. Uh, so wait until everyone is through the line before you, uh, you, you open the package to, to receive it. All right? If you join me. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts.